Welcome to the Keto Lifestyle Podcast hosted by nutritional coach Jessica Tai, where we are dedicated to promoting health and overall well-being through nutrition, specifically the ketogenic diet. We will provide you with all the latest science in nutrition, interviews with experts in the health and wellness field, and answer all your burning questions so you can find optimal health. This podcast is not intended to be used as medical advice and is to be used for informational purposes only. Please contact your doctor with any and all medical questions. Now here's Jessica. Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Keto Lifestyle Podcast. This is your host, Jessica Tai. And wow, it feels like it's been forever. <laughs> it's only been a week uh, that I took off, but feels like it's been a really long time. Um, I've been really anxious to get back to podcasting with you guys and actually, and with my husband. I really miss, I, well, I really miss him right now because actually he's out of town. He's in Texas at a uh, Keller Williams real estate conference. So I'm really missing him right now, but I really, really had wanted to do an episode this week, episode 57, um, had wanted to do that one with him today and get that out there. I have some listener questions that I wanted to address and whatnot, but we were unable, unfortunately, to record prior to him heading out of town. We just had such a brief time that we had touched back down here into Cincinnati from our Utah trip, and then he... Um, man, we just got a very few things done and kind of did a little bit of prep for the kids' school. The kids start tomorrow. I cannot even believe it. Oh my gosh. I'm like, I'm sitting here recording this tonight and it is late on Tuesday, um, the day that my podcast is supposed to be released. But, uh, oh, that's another story. We'll get to that in a minute. But anyway, um, we had wanted to record one before he left out of town, but just life got the best of us and did not uh, get that done. So luckily I have a couple of really great interviews um, that I have recorded over the last uh, week or two and have those ready to go to share with you guys. So that's what's going to happen today, even though it was not the plan. Um, this interview I'm going to share with you is incredible, and I just recorded with him this week, and it was uh, wonderful, but I wasn't planning to put this one out for another week or two, and had really wanted to just go over these listener questions, but lo and behold, <laughs> I had some technical difficulties with my uh, podcast program here, was not, uh, has been having some issues, so hopefully... It will record this and uh, will not delete it, and everything will be great. <laughs> I will be able to get this out. Um, it is a hard to record an entire podcast and then have it just go poof, and it's gone. Um, so that's kind of what happened earlier. So a um, little, bit, little bit frustrating, a little bit hard to deal with, especially just on top of everything that's going on this week. So I am on my own. Like I said, Derek is at a real estate conference in Austin, Texas, where I heard it's like 100 degrees right now. So I am definitely not envious of him being there. I'm kind of am a baby about heat. I just do not like it. I specifically do not like humid heat. And I'm telling you, I have never felt more humidity in my life than uh, when I visited Texas, um, specifically the Galveston and Houston area. Oh my goodness, like crazy. <laughs> um, probably not the place to be during the summer. 
But anyway, so I'm not jealous about that for sure, but I really do miss my husband and it is maybe not the most opportune time for him to be out of town. Uh, this is a crazy week. So the kids start back to school this week. And I say this week, not just tomorrow, because with five kids, the way our district does it, which I think is really kind of a little bit crazy, and I understand the principle behind it and why they do it, but oh my goodness, when you have kids in all these different schools like I do, it is just craziness. So out of the five kids, we have three different start dates. So tomorrow we have... Um, my we have three of my kids go to school tomorrow and then they will be in school the rest of the week <clears throat> and then one of my children starts on Thursday and then my other child does not start until Monday so if I just get them all on the right bus at the right time and going to the correct school it will be a miracle so please say a quick prayer for me <laughs> Since I am doing this on my own, I'm a little bit, um, a little bit crazy, and um, like I said, I'm recording this podcast episode again. I'm just going to record the intro this time and give you guys this incredible interview. But um, it's been a little bit nuts. So this tonight, I was trying to pack lunches and get all their um, paperwork together, and I mean, they each need something different. So it's been just. A little bit nuts around here this evening, and um, I am super tired. So I'm gonna get to bed here in just a few minutes, and we gotta get up bright and early tomorrow. School starting means we have a 5:45 wake up time for my high schoolers, and um, it's pretty much just an assembly line from 5:45, six o'clock in the morning. Um, the first one is on the bus at 6:20, and then. You know, my next one is at 7.30, and then the next one is at 8.40, and so there, we just kind of have an assembly line going out the door all morning, so it's going to be fun. Um, I am actually excited. I'm very excited for the kids. I know it's going to be really good for them. I'm excited to get some, a good schedule back, you know, get some regularity back to our schedule. Uh, summertime, everything goes a little bit haywire and it's a little harder to be uh, disciplined in the summertime. So I am looking forward to getting back to that. So, but I'm, I'm even more looking forward to my husband getting home and <laughs> I may have a little help wrangling these, these little guys. So um, that's really all I have going on. We, I mean, of course, we've always got a million things happening around here, but in the, um, sake of time, the interest of time this evening, since it is so late at this point. And like I said, I'm recording this for the second time tonight, just praying that it does not uh, delete everything that I do tonight. I am going to give you this incredible interview that I did this earlier this week with Dr. John Lemansky. Um, John is amazing. If any of you um, don't know who John is, then um, you are going to be very pleasantly surprised to hear from him. So he has a podcast with Jimmy Moore called the, um, oh goodness. Now, as soon as I said that, I'm like, what is that called? It's the Keto Hacking MD. That's right. I always want to, I'm, I'm never, I'm like, is it the Keto uh, MD, Keto Hacking MD, Keto Hacking Doctor. I can't, I, I always get that mixed up. But yes, the Keto Hacking MD. It is one of my favorite podcasts. 
that I listen to, I really love. They do all these really awesome um, kind of like biohacks that are really geared. Um, a lot of them are geared toward um, keto things. So stuff that, that we would want to know about in the keto world and, and things that are interesting to us. So if, um, you know, if you're new to keto, if you're a veteran to keto, it really appeals to everybody. It's, I really love the interaction between John and Jimmy on there. They're really great. I did have the pleasure of getting to hang out for a week with John, uh, recently on the low carb cruise this year and got to know him, did some uh, karaoke together, did some fun, fun evenings like that. Um, he's a really great guy. I am privileged to call him friend and I just really am excited to share this interview with you guys. Um, so let me tell you a little bit about John. I want to read a bio about him before I introduce him to you. So I don't want to delay any more on this podcast. Let's get this going and pray that it holds this time. Okay, so Dr. John Lemansky is a board-certified physician in internal medicine. He has worked as a hospital medicine physician for a decade and saw firsthand the destruction caused by a modern Western diet and lifestyle. His desire to improve health and longevity for his patients and society led him to creating his own virtual practice. Dr. Lemansky incorporates biohacking, biohacking techniques within a ketogenic lifestyle to improve health at the cellular level. He is currently the co-host of Keto Hacking MD podcast with veteran podcaster Jimmy Moore. You can find him on social media at BiohackMD or via his website, which is www.biohackmd.com. And I will link to all of this in the show notes. All right, John, well, welcome to the show. We're so happy to have you here today. Yeah, Jessica, so great to reconnect with you. Thanks for having me. Yeah. Tell us in your own Thanks. words, um, just a little bit um, more personal, like who you are, what you're up to, um, that type of thing. Sure. Yeah. I mean, as you mentioned, you know, I'm a physician, I'm board certified in internal medicine. And um, my kind of backstory is, you know, I did the traditional medical route. You know, I did medical school, worked in a hospital setting as a hospitalist and kind of got disenchanted with seeing the same thing happening over and over to people. And yet, you know, knowing the benefit of keto um, and prevention of a lot of like Western diseases that we see in the hospital setting. Mm -hmm. And um, one of the kind of most um, uh, kind of the most, I don't know how to say it, um, stunning kind of experiences in my life was working in a hospital setting in the South where I would see people you know, in their early 20s and 30s being afflicted with really the end stage of a lot of these Western diseases. So in medical school, when we're taught like about diabetes and uh, kidney dysfunction, heart dysfunction, heart attacks, you know, we are taught like to start thinking about these things in people who are in their 50s, 60s, 70s. Mm -hmm. But what I saw is people in their 20s are like on dialysis, you know, having mm -hmm. end stage heart failure, things that really should not be happening to us as a society. And so for me, that was really kind of a life-changing moment where I said, look, as a physician, my goal is to really help people. And how am I going to be the most successful in doing that? Is it going to be continuing on as a kind of routine physician, which, you know, there's a lot of great physicians, or is it going to be more on focusing on prevention so that we can try to, you know, attack this from a different perspective? Mm -hmm. And so that was about five years ago. And, and from then on, I've basically been 
really focusing on using keto plus biohacking to change people's kind of directions so that they don't have to see, you know, a physician in the hospital setting Mm -hmm. in the next five years. Um, and it's been really rewarding. Now that's kind of um, a little bit different, though, Dr. Lomansky, because you, you know, you're you came at this, you know, how you're explaining to us, you know, you were disenchanted with kind of the allopathic medicine, and you're just like, man, I didn't think this is what I was going to be seeing, and then you kind of decide that you really want to focus on prevention of this, but it, it kind of makes me ask the question, like, what's so different about you <laughs> that? You know, and I, knowing you, having spent some time with you on a personal level, you know, I, I think I probably know the answer to this question, but what was so different about you that made you look at this from a preventative standpoint and kind of bucking the trend, so to speak, where you're like, I'm not going to fall in line and just, you know, prescribe pills and, and schedule surgeries. What made you different? What made you look at this differently? You know, I think a lot of um, kind of personal experiences. So for me, when I was in medical school, um, you know, I was really healthy in my early 20s, exercising like a crazy person, you know, really skinny with, you know, kind of your ideal, like typical, you know, what your body should be like. And and the scary part, though, was that from a lab perspective, I was actually pre-diabetic and insulin resistant. Mm. So, and at the time, I was actually really just trying to practice what the guidelines were, you know, mostly vegetables, very little protein, no fat whatsoever. Mm-hmm. And I felt horrible all the time. Um, and I thought, well, you know, maybe it's just because I'm always working, I'm always studying. And that feeling, you know, really never went away. And so at the time, there wasn't much on keto, but there was a lot on Atkins. So I started doing Atkins and felt a dramatic change in my life personally. And so from there, I really kind of started kind of expanding more on the, the actual research behind Atkins. Mm-hmm. And that's when I started really discovering more of the idea of ketosis, the ability to use fat as energy. Because if you think about it, really the basis of everything that we're describing in Western diseases is due to this understanding that saturated fat is is the end-all, be-all evil thing that we are all afraid of. Mm-hmm. If you take that idea out of the equation, then all of a sudden you're kind of liberated in the sense that you can start consuming fat and get, getting the benefits of fat. And miraculously, we start seeing lab results getting dramatically better. Mm-hmm. And so the question really becomes, you know, in medicine, is medicine black and white? And it's really not. People think that, like, we know everything. And unfortunately, we don't. Medicine is a continually evolving kind of aspect of society. You know, if we were practicing medicine like we were a thousand years ago, we would be basically bloodletting everybody, mm-hmm. putting leeches on people. You know? so, so we have to, as physicians, I think, continuously look at the research and change, be, be open-minded enough to be able to change how we view things if, you know, the data is showing us something that that is really not correlating with what we're seeing in society. Mm-hmm. So I think, you know, anything that's personal becomes very, very motivating and it really kind of drives me. Mm-hmm. Um, and so what I would see in the hospital setting, you know, a lot of people started asking me about, hey, you know, you are obviously very different. You look like you have a lot of energy. You're, you know, you're skinnier. You have muscle. What are you doing that's different than than what we are doing? And so it was kind of an organic process where people started asking me, you know, for advice. And I, I honestly wasn't thinking about making a career change. I was 
you know, happy as far as being a routine physician. But I think once I started working with people and seeing the life transforming like ability of just simple dietary stuff, that to me was, you know, that was really the, the, the game changer because, yeah. yeah and, and I'm not, not talking about like, you know, 70, 80 year olds. I'm talking about people in their thirties. I mean, friends really initially who in their thirties and early forties are already on three or four medications mm. that, you know, blood pressure medication, cholesterol medication, mm -hmm. something because they have sexual dysfunction, mm -hmm. things that, you know, in your thirties and forties, you should never even think about. Um, and so being able to get people off these medications, seeing the life transformation of them was all it really took for me to kind of continue in this, in this direction. Mm -hmm. Well, and that's, um, so you bring a, a couple of really good points there. Uh, first we have to say, I have to say it is called practicing medicine, right? <laughs> so you do practice medicine and it's, there really isn't, like you said, there's not end all be all answers to anything where you're learning constantly and you're, you know, constant, you should be willing to look at the data, see how that is translating into your patient population, I would think, and then be willing to make changes or see when something is having this amazing impact, like in this instance, keto, and say, wow, there's, there must be something to this because this is not just affecting me. It's everybody that I'm working with. It's affecting. Yeah. And, and, What's really cool, I mean, nowadays, I think, you know, when you're in the realm of keto, you look around and you see everybody around you is doing keto mm -hmm. and you expect that this really translates to society as a whole. But the reality is we're talking about maybe 4% of the population. Mm. So we have a long ways to go in terms of educating people um, on the benefits of ketosis and, and just the science behind it, but also the actual practice of it. Um, and so I think the the great part of what I'm seeing right now is really kind of a boom in terms of people who are coming to it from personal experiences, mm -hmm. taking that experience and then sharing it with their friends. Um, you know, more physicians are starting to realize the power of being in ketosis, not just for weight loss, but for really like health prevent, uh, re like reversal of a lot of these Western diseases mm -hmm. and then prevention of things down the road, like dementia, cancer, and, and, you know, being on dialysis, things like that. Mm -hmm. So I think we're really in a great place to be able to leverage the amount of information that we have with kind of modern technology to hopefully make a dramatic change for society because we have to, if yes. we don't, if we don't, um, you know, cause I, I come from a different perspective where I see the, the worst case scenario of what happens to people when they don't, um, you know, take care of their health. It's, it's really scary. Mm -hmm. Um, so I'm excited to see, hopefully we can make a dramatic change in people's lives. Yeah. And that, so that definitely brings me to the next thing I want to talk about, which is, um, specifically, I don't think there's anything better, anyone better to talk about this particular subject within you. And that is you brought up, uh, yeah, a lot of people will go to keto for weight loss. That is, you know, kind of, I think what's making this very, um, this very buzzworthy thing right now, of course, you know, the latest greatest diet is what, it, you know, people like to talk about, but right. keto is so much more than that. And, um, I, you definitely see that side of things, the, the health implications and the reversal right. of diseases. So can you talk to us a little bit about that and kind of, you know, maybe if you have any specific case studies you can think of that you've, or patients that you've worked with, or, you know, just kind of what you see, um, on, you know, from a clinician's point of view. 
Sure. Yeah. And, you know, I'm not trying to discount the benefits of weight loss. I think mm-hmm. as a society, you know, we are obviously fixated on external appearance, which is, is great. Um, but I think my point in trying to say that we are focusing more kind of on the health perspective is that um, weight gain is really a symptom of dysfunctional metabolism. Mm-hmm. And what I mean by that is, you know, we used to think that because you're obese, um, you know, you have uh, a risk factors for all these other diseases like diabetes, um, hypertension, stuff like that. But the reality is, is that uh, obesity is really kind of a symptom of this underlying dysfunction of metabolism. And mm-hmm. so why is keto so much more powerful than all these other kind of fad diets? Well, pretty simple. You know, I can get you to lose weight very easily. I can get anybody to lose weight very easily. You know, I can mm-hmm. just basically prescribe you 400 calorie and some um, amphetamine pills and you will lose weight. But mm-hmm. the question is, you know, is that sustainable? And I really don't see anything out there that's sustainable to the point where keto is because what are you doing? Well, you're basically trying to suppress a lot of the things that are driving uh, dysfunctional metabolism and obesity. So suppressing insulin, which is mm-hmm. obviously the major driver of whether or not you gain weight. So I always tell people, think of insulin you know, as a switch on and off. When it's on, you're going to basically gain weight. When it's off, you're going to lose weight. And so obviously that's very simplistic and it's much more complicated than that. But when you go into ketosis, you're basically suppressing insulin. So the switch is off. And so you're basically allowing your body to start using its own fat stores to use as energy. But what also happens is, you know, in terms of diabetes, which really is the major driver of a lot of the diseases that we see, mm-hmm. what happens to that? Well, you know, you start suppressing insulin. So you start utilizing whatever glucose and glycogen in your muscles for energy first. And once you burn through that, now you start using your fat stores for energy. And so you can dramatically change people's kind of projection in terms of diabetes and all the complications that go with it. Because it's not just diabetes, it's diabetes leading to kidney dysfunction, leading to heart dysfunction, leading Mm -hmm. to strokes, leading to dementia, leading to amputations. Those are the things that I see, you know, I used to see Mm -hmm. on a daily basis. And so if you can really kind of suppress insulin by going into ketosis, what happens? Well, all those things get better. You get people off of medications that they really don't need. Mm -hmm. You know, you get people off of insulin, which they don't need to take. And so that's, to me, I think, dramatically more important than weight loss. I think Mm -hmm. weight loss is great as a side effect. And, you know, obviously people feel better, but, you know, Really, I think what I see kind of from a clinician standpoint is all those other markers getting dramatically better. Mm-hmm. And so it's kind of a self-fulfilling prophecy where people notice how much better they feel. And so they want to continue in, in the state of ketosis to really kind of benefit from it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I agree. I, I think it's great that you get to see that side of things because as more, um, well, definitely as a nutritionist, but you know, people don't come to me for the same things that they would come to a physician for. So I get a lot of people that will contact me and and are looking at keto um, for weight loss, or they're looking at me for any um, eating plan for weight loss. And 
and the, and I don't, you know, kind of like you're saying, I don't shame anyone for that because I feel like, okay, number one, you want to look better. You want to feel better about yourself. You want whatever the driving force is. Um, that's fine. I don't have any problem right. with that. And I feel like in the, in the healing, in the losing the weight, or I should say in the losing weight, in the uh, following a nutritional plan that I put together, which I don't feel like is diet as a diet you know i definitely focus on lifestyle and um mostly keto depending on where the the client is but um but working through that stuff i feel like the health comes with it right like they they may come to this for weight loss but like you just said i mean most people will start down this path and they start feeling so good and things start changing that they had no idea would change, or they go back to their, uh, you know, their physician and 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 get new these new amazing blood markers, and they can't believe it. And so I feel like however you get here is fine. <laughs> Just oh, but it's, you know, it's going to make those long term changes. That I don't think there's a lot of people. There are people. I'm sure you see more of this, but. A lot of people, the number one driving force is to look better, feel better, lose sure. weight. You know, they're not they're not going to maybe come to it going, well, I just want to make sure I don't get heart disease in 20 years. <laughs> like, that's right, not, right. you know, like we're so, we're, as a society, as a whole, we're so um, focused on the right here and right now. Yeah, absolutely. And, and and I just want to clarify, you know, I'm not saying that it's a, a, a bad thing to have. I would say 90% of people who um, are interested in ketosis or being on a ketogenic lifestyle are doing it for weight loss. But what I, what I have found is that once people start, you know, obviously losing weight, they feel better, but once they really start feeling better again, meaning, you know, uh, joints feel better, blood pressure goes down, you know, the stress level goes down, um, you know, their numbers start getting better. I think there is a transition where a lot of people will say, Hey, you know what? I started this because I wanted to lose weight. But what I've found is that I've benefited in so many other ways Mm -hmm. and that that to me is a lot more reinforcing because now I know that there's an underlying like reason why I was gaining weight because because there is um, kind of a especially in the medical community, there is an assumption that if you are obese, it's because you're fat and lazy, basically, Mm -hmm. because you eat too much and you don't work out enough. Right. And and I think that is in my experience the complete opposite so a lot of people who i work with who have had you know severe struggles or severely obese are specifically the the people who have tried every single thing out there mm-hmm. i mean they've tried you know shake diets i mean the the things that people have told me they've tried to lose weight um is 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 really scary at some point mm-hmm. and the the reason that they're not successful is not their fault it's because what they've been told is wrong. Right. And so it's like, I mean, there's a psychological component where, you know, people sometimes will feel like, you know, they're a failure because they haven't been successful, you know, or it's their genetics. When the reality is that, no, it's just simple uh, physiology. Mm -hmm. Because if you understand the physiology behind ketosis, you understand why it works. Mm -hmm. And any physician will tell you, yeah, okay, I understand why that would work. But I'm afraid of the saturated fat component, which to me is really kind of the elephant in the room that needs to go away. We need to get beyond this idea that saturated fat is going to give you heart disease. Yeah. Yeah. And I totally agree with you. I think everything that you've said is is right on. It's, um, you know, it's it's 
I think it's wonderful that people start seeing the health benefits of this and then they're that's able to I think kind of help propel them that to, to stick with this lifestyle and to know that, right. you know, this isn't just some fad diet and, you know, man, I am really starting to see these, these benefits that I, that, you know, once you start feeling these things or seeing these things happening is a move in the right direction. Um, Absolutely. and then, so just, just because I was watching this the other day, um, I had a, I'll bring this up to you cause I think it's interesting. You just brought up the saturated fat thing. Um, we, yeah. so I, <laughs> So you probably have similar things happen with you with other doctors um, in your world, but in my world, I get reached out to a lot from other people in kind of um, the nutrition world or holistic healthcare, you know, that type of thing. And this past week, I had a girl who wanted to meet with me and talk about, um, you know, she wanted to reach out to me about... uh, I really don't know, to be honest. She just wanted to have a meeting <laughs> and like okay. see if we could like collaborate some things. And I, I was um, a little bit hesitant because the first um, thing that she mentioned to me was uh, at this event that we were at. She was like, "Oh, I think that we'd be right on the same page." You know, I really. Um, she's like, "I'm sure that you follow great uh, doctors like Dean Ornish." And mm. I was like, oh, eeks, breaks. <laughs> yeah, yeah, <laughs> like, yeah. no, 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 no. It's, I think, I think you got, you got me wrong. But um, anyway, so just, just in prep, preparation for meeting with her, um, I kind of more for fun than anything else, I wanted to just kind of look and see. I had never looked at um, anything that was on YouTube that, that had, um, you know, Dean Ornish had, had done. It's not something that I seek out to watch, but, um, I, the first thing that popped up was the interview where he was on Oprah Winfrey show. Um, I don't even know how many years ago this was, uh, probably yeah, it must have been like 20 years. Yeah, ago. Yeah. It's probably 20 years ago. I'm going to get, it was in the nineties, yeah. I'm sure. And, um, but anyway, it, but the things that he was talking about most, mostly, um, attacking saturated fat and the things that his, uh, dietitian was telling these people on the show, um, you know, cleaning out their pantry and telling them that they should be avoiding like olives, um, right. <laughs> and, and then telling them these are the things they should be eating like margarine was so I mean, to me watching it, I thought, how in the world can anyone watch this and, and like with a straight face and, and be like, oh my gosh, this, yeah, this guy knows what he's talking about. But at the same time, like you said before, this is like four, I mean, you gave the, the number, I think you said about 4% of the population is even, you know, aware or into keto or whatever. We kind of, or at least I kind of live in this world where I feel like everybody is onto this, like everybody gets it. But really saturated fat still, even 20 years after that Oprah Winfrey interview is still villainized and people are still scared to death. So can you talk a little bit about, you know, the how how do you talk to people about that and how do you help get that paradigm shift to happen because it's a it's a biggie and it's really hard for people yeah and and you bring up a really good point so a couple things number one um you know it's actually uh, i'll have to make sure of this but i'm pretty sure it's the dean Arnish program is is the only one that medicare pays for for heart failure patients or people oh with heart, heart disease i had no idea and so <laughs> yeah and so you know from a just a financial standpoint you know that's a big one that mm-hmm. will be used preferentially um 
you know, post MIs or mm -hmm. post bypass surgery. The problem with a lot of um, nutritional kind of dogmatic theories is that they're based in in studies that are mostly epidemiological or you know case studies or really not scientifically um, strong studies. And mm -hmm. really, if anybody's interested in kind of critiquing and breaking down his specific diet, I think the probably I'll send you a link for this, but probably the best breakdown I've seen of it is from Nina Teicholtz, um, mm -hmm. who, who did um, the um, Big Fat Surprise. Yeah. Um, and also is a really big proponent in trying to change the guidelines in terms of the USDA. But there's a lot of misleading information. So, you know, his big um, study really kind of uh, referred to a 1950s study, uh, which is, is, you know, if we're still using research from the 1950s in order to kind of direct us in terms of medical care, I think we're um, unfortunately kind of behind the times yes. would be a way to put it. Um, and so if you actually look at his um, program, I mean, there's a lot of other things that he uses and recommends that people um, do. So it's a very hard program to follow, number one. But mm -hmm. beyond just uh, taking away the saturated fat, he recommends that people stop smoking, which is a, obviously a good one. Mm -hmm. You know, he recommends that people uh, exercise, which is a good one. He recommends that people, um, you know, try to do stress reduction techniques. Uh, so there's a lot of other variables that he kind of uh, promotes. And so the question then becomes, which one is it? Mm -hmm. Is it really the removal of saturated fat or is it the implementation of, you know, quitting smoking? I mean, I could tell you mm -hmm. if you quit smoking, that's the number one risk factor for pretty, pretty much any heart disease, uh, stroke. Um, and so there's a lot of unfortunate faulty kind of scientific data used to, to back that up. Mm -hmm. The question really becomes, in my mind, in the time period where we have recommended that people stop eating saturated fats, what has happened to heart disease? You know, what has mm -hmm. happened to Western diseases? It's well, gotten worse. <laughs> it's not just worse. I mean, it's a it is a pandemic. Yes. Now, where you know countries that used to be have no heart disease, no diabetes, are now at the forefront. So you look mm -hmm. at the Middle East. Go to the Middle East. They used to have, you know, very healthy societies. They're number one now in diabetes, heart disease. Look at China. China has become industrialized, westernized. They are skyrocketing. I mean, their their percentage of diabetes and consequences from that are through the roof. And so that's really, to me, the question is, okay, so we've been recommending a certain way of eating, and yet people are getting sicker and fatter. So mm -hmm. there must be something wrong with the message. Um but yeah, it's it's still a very, very difficult subject, especially the idea of fat. Mm -hmm. I think it's going to take another 20, 30 years before it becomes mainstream where it's acceptable that, you know, saturated fat is not is not killing you. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So you are one of the other great things about you is you, um, like you said in the beginning of this, you are a biohacker. And which mm -hmm. I think is really awesome that you can uh, be as educated as you are as a physician, as a doctor, and and still, and not still, I shouldn't say still, but in addition to that, you are willing <laughs> to uh, to use yourself as a guinea pig and put yourself um, out there. Like, I feel like you wouldn't, you wouldn't ask anyone to do something you have not tried yourself. 
Correct. <laughs> and yeah. I love that. I think that's really great. So what what got you? I mean, what made you like that? Why why is that so interesting to you? Um, is there anything driving that, or are you just always been that curious? Yeah, well, yeah. So that's a good question. I think um, I've always been curious. I mean, that's I think my personality. I've always uh, been an avid reader and always try to kind of push the envelope in terms of my knowledge, not just in medicine, but in everything I do. Mm-hmm. Um, the second thing is, you know, as a physician, you know, we take an oath to basically do no harm to our patients. So as you mentioned, anything that I would recommend to people, I, I feel I have a kind of a, a, um, I have to basically try it on myself and there mm-hmm. has to be research to support what I'm saying because you'll notice kind of in the biohacking world that now it's become a little bit more in vogue. And so there's a lot of people doing kind of crazy things that Mm -hmm. maybe there's not the research to support it. So when I talk about biohacking, I'm talking about, you know, more lifestyle changes that people can do to really augment being keto or eating real food. So if you're, let's say eating a Western diet and you're doing every biohack out there, it's really not going to do much for you. (laughs) Right. But if you're in ketosis or, you know, not everybody has to be in strict ketosis all the time, but let's say you're just eating really good, healthy food. There's a lot of other factors in your life that are going to actually influence whether or not you maintain your health. And so that's kind of where the idea of biohacking comes into play. And, and so what do I mean by that? Well, let's say, you know, you have a lot of beautiful children. I'm sure you can remember, oh, I don't know if you if you still don't sleep very well, but when you have little kids or you're pregnant or you know you have a newborn, you know you don't sleep very well. Mm-hmm. Well, that that inability to sleep well really dramatically impacts you at a cellular level because your stress levels go up, your cortisol goes up. All those things are going to drive insulin to go up. It'll make you have insulin resistance mm-hmm. where your muscles are basically not able to utilize the glucose that you're consuming. And so if you're not sleeping very well, if you're a night shift worker, if you have little kids, well, you're not going to be as healthy as possible. Mm-hmm. And so if you remember back to like the beginning, I said, you know, I don't really focus on weight loss. I focus on like metabolism, but I also focus on how do I feel? And mm-hmm. if I don't sleep very well, you know, if I'm traveling or if one of my children is up, you know, it dramatically impacts me at a cellular level. I'm hungry and I'm, I'm really hungry for carbohydrates. Yes. So I've worked really hard on focusing on sleep. And I've noticed, especially now with kind of our modern society where we have TVs, we have iPads, we have so many electronics, people don't sleep very well. Yeah. And that can impact you know, especially our youth. I mean, there was a couple studies out recently where average child gets about four hours of sleep a night, mm. which is, is really That's scary. Criminal, yeah. It's really scary. And because they're on their iPads, yeah. they're, you know, putting the iPads under their p- pillows. And so that's going to really lead to high levels of depression, anxiety, ADHD, all these things that, you know, I think are preventable. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that would be like one basically a biohack is, okay, focus on sleep, making sure your sleep is as good as can be. And you'll notice that you become more into like a positive cycle where you sleep better. So you're not as hungry. So you eat better. You're not as stressed. So you sleep better. And so we have to get out of this kind of negative cycle that a lot of people are in and make it into more of a positive cycle. Yeah, that is such a good point. Um, we were just talking before we started recording about traveling and whatnot, and I was—I have just come back from 
traveling uh, for the last week and a half or so and yeah. in a different time zone. And, and that, you know, I didn't, I don't sleep super great anyway when I'm traveling because I'm, right. uh, you know, creature of habit. I like my room. I like my mattress. I like my, I like my pillow. Sure. It's like everything. I have everything set up the way I want it to be and sleep really well when I'm at home. But when I travel, it's, I'm sure most people are the same. They just don't sleep that well. So not only was I sleep deprived just from traveling, but then the time difference, uh, it was only two hours this time, which is, is better right. than, than four, but still two hour time difference, it makes a difference. You know, your circadian rhythms off and mm -hmm. things just are off and you are so dead on. And I do definitely try to talk to people about this as well in my practice, but I 100% have been craving carbohydrates since getting back in yep. ways that I just don't. I mean, I am fat adapted. I am ketogenic. I just, that's how I roll. I'll go an entire day until dinner time and literally not remember that I didn't eat. Like I was right. just so busy and wasn't hungry and it's not a stressful thing. And I don't like will myself to make it to dinner. I just, I'm like, you know what? I'm really not hungry until dinner time. I'll be like, oh gosh, yeah, dinner sounds amazing right now. Like, <laughs> I'm really hungry. Gee, but it has not been that way since getting back. I have gotten up hungry throughout the day. I'll be like, oh man, I really need to eat something. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's, <laughs> it's not it's good. amazing. Well, two, no, it's not good. There's a couple of things though that I think is really important what you just mentioned. So, number one, I think people who um, are not in keto or or on a kind of a Western diet, forget the signals of hunger. So mm. I can remember when I was, you know, on kind of a vegetarian, low protein, no fat diet, mm -hmm. um, I was hungry all the time. All I was thinking about was food. You know, I was either eating food, thinking about food or craving some food. And, you know, for the last 13, 14 years being keto, I'm, I'm like you, I'm not hungry. But when I am hungry, I know what those signals are. I eat. I know how much I need to eat, yeah. and you know that those signals go away. But it's a transition for people to to kind of relearn what those signals are because it's it's you know for for a lot of people it'll, it'll be kind of concerning. Well, hey, I'm not hungry. Should I eat? I haven't hit my my macros. I haven't hit my right. calorie intake. And I tell people, look, no, this is perfect. Eat when you're hungry, and you know your body will tell you when you're hungry. It's it's being able to learn your body all over again. And that's one of the most beautiful parts of it. Mm -hmm. And the other thing too, is that, you know, you mentioned the circadian rhythm. One of the things I think is really cool about where we are right now in terms of science and technology is that we can number one, quantify these things through the use of like biohacking tools. Mm -hmm. You know, we can actually measure things so we can see the impact. So I can measure sleep patterns. I can measure glucose continuously. I can measure ketones. I can measure things that I can interpret and say, okay, because I'm traveling, this is what I should expect. My ketones are going to be lower. My glucose is mm -hmm. going to be higher. My sleep is going to be off. And then the research is really coming where there's a lot of, you know, just basic science research that's looking into these things, you know, things that we never would have thought about. You know, each organ itself has its own circadian rhythm. Mm, and if you're yeah. off that circadian rhythm because you're traveling, because you're stressed, an example would be, let's say you eat really, really late at night. Okay. Well, you know what that does? It impacts your pancreas. Your pancreas actually produces something called melatonin or melopsin, and that'll impact your sleep where you're not going to get that deep sleep you need. Well, then what happens? Well, the next day, your cortisol level is going to be through the roof, so you're going to be hungrier, and you're going to want to have carbohydrates. 
And mm -hmm. so it's very, very easy to get off this kind of positive cycle that I was describing and get into this negative cycle where, like you mentioned, now you're starving and you're thinking about carbohydrates yes. just from a two hour time difference. And, you know, obviously you were at a conference, mm -hmm. you know, there's stress involved, even if it's a positive stress, there's still stress involved with that. Mm -hmm. And so it'll take you three, four days to really kind of convert back over, get that back under control. Mm -hmm. But for a lot of people who don't understand that it could be scary. And so it's just something that you have to learn your body over time. Yeah, and I think it's really interesting that, you know, for myself, much like you're talking about when you were a vegetarian, you know, I spent years as a vegetarian, years as a vegan, um, have had tried, um, you know, through my life, probably starting in about my teenage years uh, for most women, um, you know, about every diet on that you can think of on the market. Sure. And and just going through that stuff and and like you said most pretty much every single thing i ever did you know i would just be thinking about food all the time wondering you know i'd be eating one meal thinking about the one i'm going to have next and you know god forbid i not eat between you know the hours of whatever and whatever because that was that meal time and <laughs> it didn't matter right. if i was hungry or not i didn't i don't even think i even knew what real hunger was and just kind of going through this fog and to me one of i think one of the best benefits that I have gotten from the ketogenic lifestyle is just a body awareness, a self-awareness, like just knowing my body better. Like I, you know, I hear it when it talks to me now, <laughs> like it's, you know, it's not, it's not like it's beating a drum and nobody's listening. And yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And I, I know like when you and I first kind of met and talked, I mm -hmm. mean, your story was very powerful on the cruise when you gave it and, and, for you also, it wasn't so much of a weight thing. It was, you know, joint pain, you know, feeling yeah. bloated, you know, having that mental fog, you know, and really seeing the transformation. I am really um, excited to kind of get this information to younger individuals. And I always promote that, you know, if parents are doing this, try to incorporate your children into it because, you know, you could save them years of agony where they're not going through, you know, the psychological damage of being overweight. So having yes. to do like these crazy restrictive diets, starving themselves, mm -hmm. you know, and then going through the vicious cycle of all these fad diets, which eventually are going to just damage their metabolisms where just eat like real whole, whole, like healthy foods and mm -hmm. you're going to be okay. I mean, that's, so that's another kind of part of what I'm really trying to focus on. Um, Mm -hmm. It's the next generation. I think that is so important, and it's a great point. And I would like to add to that that um, as a mother of five, I have you know ranging from six to sixteen years old. There right. is you know we, there is a period of time, and I know yours are are younger still. I believe right, like you've got yeah. little guys. So they're, you know, I've, so my old, my oldest, my youngest boy is about to turn 12 and he is ketogenic and he keeps himself that way. He is, I, we do not pressure him whatsoever to eat yep. any certain way. He wants to be that way. He has learned at that young age, he's been doing it about a year now and he has learned um, he, he know he is so in tune with his body when he eats anything and it could be a perfectly healthy, awesome ketogenic food. And if he feels a little bit off, he knows it and he recognizes that the next time he eats it and then he won't eat that food anymore. Like he's very, uh, you know, he's just very in tune with his body and it's amazing to see that at 12 years old. And then on the flip side, <laughs> 
I have my two teenage sons. Uh, the older boys are, um, you know, we we kind of missed it with them a little bit. Now my my 15 year old is a is a little bit um, better, and he you know pays attention a little bit more. But my 17 year old, uh, about to be 17. I mean, he's forget it. <laughs> he doesn't right. want to listen to anything. He doesn't care. He's very much in the, which is heartbreaking for me and my husband. And um, but you just you can't force them. But I think it's really, really a good point that when they're young, like you're talking about, if you can just model this, if you can help teach them, because you know my my oldest son is also the one that struggles with health issues. You know, he's always struggling with something. Yeah. And I think, I mean, it's a, it's amazing, you know, I know we're kind of getting off topic, but, um, as you become a parent and you start to learn kind of the intricacies of, of how do you actually get information to your child without, you know, being overbearing and, and, and so that they rebel against you. And I think really the best thing that you can do is start as young as possible. Mm -hmm. So mine are three, six and eight, and mm -hmm. they've basically been keto for, since they were born. Mm -hmm. Um, but, you know, within that, there's wiggle room. I mean, we're not like 100%. You can never have any sugar because then sure. they're going to rebel. Of course. But yeah. it's really like educating them and modeling, as you mentioned, because if I could tell them all day long, you need to eat keto. And meanwhile, I'm sneaking stuff on the side. They're they're not going to believe anything I say. Right. So we really try to model it. We really try to like educate them. We don't try to force anything on them. But we talk about, you know, the benefits of why this is a certain way, mm -hmm. you know, why you will feel better. And um, the eight-year-old and the six-year-old um, really understand now at this point. And mm -hmm. they, as you mentioned, as your 12-year-old, really are in tune with their body. And they can say, okay, look, this makes me feel good. I'll eat this. This mm -hmm. doesn't make me feel good. I'm not going to eat it. And without us having to pressure them and say, you know, you really need to eat 100% ketogenic. I mean, that that I think is not sustainable either for them. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I agree. And I, I just think it's, uh, I think it's really, it's just awesome to watch that happen with your child, like to watch mm -hmm. them have that, ty that type of self-awareness. And on the flip side, it's really not awesome <laughs> to watch my yeah. older son, you know, my heart breaks for him in so many ways. I mean, at, he's at the age right now where I, my husband and, and myself are probably the two stupidest people on the planet. <laughs> And well, so yeah. I think pretty much anything I say, he would just do exactly the opposite. So I definitely don't try to, to push him at all. But I do hope that, <laughs> you know, watching, he's, that he's watching now, right? And, and the seeds right. are being, they've been planted. And right. um, hopefully at some point, you know, at, when he's done with his teenage years and when he doesn't know everything anymore, um, maybe he'll, you know, start to implement some of those things. But but yeah, for sure, I think getting, you know, just kind of helping them to understand that stuff early on is just has so much benefit. Because like you said, this is, you know, we've, we've, most of us have arrived at this lifestyle after, a, you know, a lifetime of the ups and downs associated right. with not living this lifestyle. And it's painful. Right. And if, you know, if we can help our kids not go through some of the stuff that we've gone through, um, it'd be fantastic. I think it's going to happen. I think um, the more people who are, are coming to keto at an earlier age and who have children, um, I think it's just a natural progression where, um, you know, people will see the benefits for themselves and say, hey, look, I need to do this with my children. Um, I do think that the more information that's out there for people like yourself, like myself, who are kind of 
helping people guide them on how to do it. It's great. I think for your uh, eldest son, you probably have another 10 years before he starts listening to you. Yeah, I think you're probably exactly right. <laughs> but but uh, yeah, give him my number. I'll talk to him. Okay, no. yeah. He, he might listen to you, but I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. Um, but you no, know, I think, you know, it's just getting the information out there in, in as many avenues as possible, which is what I'm really excited about because I see, you know, really exploding out there in terms mm -hmm. of conferences, more people who are having life tra uh, transformation stories, and then really taking that and running with it and saying, look, I need to educate people because, um, as I mentioned before, it's about 4%. So we have a, a long ways to go. Yeah, we do. But I agree. This is, I mean, I know this is my driving force. Um, behind doing like this podcast, for instance, um, mm -hmm. you know, is 100% so that I can just hopefully get the message out there to people who are hungry, um, pun intended, <laughs> for some <laughs> answers, you know, they just, they want, they want, they, they know what they're doing is not working and they, they're right. trying to find the answer. And I'm hoping that they stumble upon keto and whoever's podcast that is just <laughs> that they stumble upon it and are able to go, you know what? what do I have to lose? I'll try this too. And yeah, hopefully it's the definitely. one that sticks, you know? <laughs> well, you're doing a great job. So keep, keep doing it. Well, I appreciate that. And it's having awesome guests like you that helps uh, get that message out there. So if, a couple of questions to wrap up just because yeah. I know listeners are curious about this type of type of thing. These are the questions I get from people after I do interviews. And I often do not ask these questions because I kind of forget about it. But so <laughs> okay. in, in a typical day of Dr. Dr. John Lemansky, what does your what does your day look like? How, what do you do? What time do you get up? What do you do when you first get up? Do you know, what's your eating pattern look like throughout the day? Can you just give us okay. a quick rundown of your day? Sure. So I'll just say the caveat that I'm pretty hardcore. So I don't expect <laughs> everybody to do what I do on day one. But um, so I am uh, up usually around 5 a.m. And first thing I do is I do about five minutes of meditation which for me is probably the most difficult thing I can do. But it, I've noticed that it helps me kind of start the day off right, lower my cortisol, my stress levels. Um, it allows me just to kind of reflect. After that, I'll, um, uh, sorry, I should say that I usually will finish the night before around five o'clock with my dinner. So I'm fasted. Mm -hmm. And so after my meditation, I'll go outside and with my feet on the ground, try to get some connection with the earth, get some sunlight if it's, you know, that time of the day. Mm -hmm. If not, I use a something called a photobiomodulation machine, which basically allows you to have artificial light um, to basically start the circadian rhythm that you talked about. Mm -hmm. So you get light into your eyes. It activates something called the SCN, which allows your body to be in its normal circadian rhythm. After that, I'll go do a fasted workout, which usually entails about 30 minutes of, you know, really hardcore lifting um, for me, which I'm almost 40, so it's not that hardcore. Um, <laughs> and then follow it up with about like 20 or 30 minutes of hit where I'm basically doing an interval training on some sort of cardio. Mm -hmm. I try to do it outside as much as possible because I, I don't like to be in the artificial light. Mm -hmm. And then I'll follow that up with a 20-minute sauna session. Um, because you get a lot of benefits from being fasted mm -hmm. where you don't have any glycogen stores, so your body's using all your fat stores for energy, mm -hmm. and then you boost your testosterone and growth hormone by being in the sauna. Mm -hmm. After that, and, and I, what I try to do is, because I'm so busy, I try to stack everything in a way where I get the most benefit in the shortest period of time. 
So I'll be done by like 6.30. I take a shower. Um, I don't eat breakfast. Usually what I'll do is kind of a keto coffee. So, you know, espresso with some MCT and some butter. And then I'll, you know, have probably about a seven hour chunk of window where I'm doing work, whether it's, you know, podcasting or seeing clients or, you know, doing stuff online. Um, and then after that, I usually try to disconnect. So I'll spend time with my children, pick them up from school, um, try to like really have some really integrative time with them, um, try to be outside with them and play. Um, and then I'll usually eat dinner around five o'clock. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then I'll follow that up about an hour later with uh, ice bath about five or six times a week. Wow. You um, are hardcore. <laughs> I told you I'm hardcore. So I was right with you until you said the ice bath. <laughs> so I, uh, you know, it's, it's something that's taken me about 10 years to get to the point where it's like something I actually relish, but wow. the benefit of the ice bath is really, you're going to do a lot of things in terms of dropping your core temperature. So your sleep will be better. Um, you also start activating brown adipose tissue. So you burn more energy throughout mm-hmm. the night. Um, you make new mitochondria, which are basically the battery cells of your body. So you're burning more efficient energy. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I'll spend about 10 to 20 minutes at night um, doing some uh, writing in a journal about what I'm grateful for. And I usually do that with my children and my wife so that we kind of reflect on the day and say what we're grateful for, which are just simple things that, you know, if you look at the research, it'll show that if you're just mindful about things that you're grateful for, it'll actually reduce your cortisol level. It'll actually reduce certain kind of cellular processes where you're you're actually going to be making better mitochondria. Mm. And so there's a lot of things that I think historically, you know, monks, yoga uh, people really intuitively knew were beneficial for their health. They didn't know why. And now with science and and tracking devices, we can actually see what the benefits are from a physiological standpoint. Um, and then I will, I usually go to bed, you know, nine 30, 10, I'm getting old. So I'm that old guy. Um, Hey, watch it, buddy. I'm older than you. (laughs) I don't have to go to bed as early as I do, but, um, and, uh, you know, I just, so it's it's really like a balance, and that's probably five or six days out of the week, usually five, and then two of the days I'm a little bit more lax. But mm-hmm. I found that it's, for me, it's really what works the best in terms of being as efficient and present as possible and, and to allow me to feel good. Um, obviously, it's not for everybody, but it's something I think to strive for and, and see little things may, maybe will allow people to break through a plateau or if they feel like, you know, they're not getting absolute benefit from being keto, sometimes adding something simple as like, you know, a little stress reduction will, will help tremendously. Yeah. So real quick, I've got a question about maybe, you know, the answer to this, maybe you don't, but so I, um, uh, I very much enjoy, enjoy doing cryotherapy. Now I cannot do the ice baths. <laughs> that's a whole, that's a whole different level. I mean, that is, that's intense, but, um, but cryotherapy, I mean, it's intense in its own way. I think it's different because you're not sure. actually in yeah. the ice cold water, which is the issue I have. I can't even, I try to do it in the shower and I just can't, I, it's like, I cannot physically force my body to stay in the cold water, but, right. um, I do, I do really love, uh, cryotherapy, like where I feel I miss it when I, when I'm not doing it for a while and I really can't wait to get back. Um, do you think that you get the same benefits or similar benefits from doing, uh, like cryotherapy sessions as you would from doing ice baths? 
Yeah, the cool thing about cryo is that you can reproduce it to the point where you can get the research. And so a lot of the research that looks at the benefit of cold thermogenesis really is using cryo as as the mm -hmm. experimentation. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, I do think you can get a lot of benefits and pretty much the same benefits from doing cryo versus doing ice bath. My take on cryo is that uh, not everybody can afford it. Mm -hmm. um, so that's an issue for a lot of people. Mm -hmm. And number two, um, I travel a lot. And so when I travel, for me, it's hard to find a place to do cryo. Mm -hmm. Whereas there's, you know, the hotel always has an ice machine that I can steal all the ice I need, <laughs> uh, which I tend to do. Um, and so one trick that you might want to try if in the future you want to do ice baths is, so number one, the cold shower is actually probably the hardest thing to do. I never do that. Because, really? Okay. Uh, to me, it's extremely painful. Now, um, Derek, you know, Derek, my husband. I know. So, so yeah. he does that. He does it every well, day hardcore. and he is yeah. hardcore. I didn't realize how. I didn't realize. Now I'm going to have to give there him more credit go. for that. <laughs> <laughs> Tell him, Dr. Jones said he's hardcore. I will. <laughs> <laughs> Um, and, and so one trick that I usually will tell people is that, um, you could fill a tub or whatever you're going to use for the ice bath with, you know, regular cold water, get in and then put the ice into the tub. Okay. And it's a much easier process. You don't get that shock effect, mm -hmm. um, like you would if you just jump into an ice lake or an ice bath. Mm -hmm. Um, and you know, it's kind of like, you know, boiling a frog basically, if you put them in and you turn it on mm -hmm. slowly, nothing happens. If you throw them in, they're going to like jump out. Right. Same thing with humans. I mean, you, you're going to be much easier doing it that way. Um, so it might be something, you know, for people who say, I'd love to do cryo, but I can't afford it. Mm -hmm. Well, ice bath, doing it that way might be, you know, a good alternative. Well, that's a great tip because yeah, I, I mean, obviously, I mean, cryo, it is expensive and that is my... That's my biggest, well, that's why I go any periods without doing it because I really do love it. And then I'll be like, oh, I really shouldn't, you know, be spending this on this. So then I stop doing it for a while and then I'm like, oh, I got to get back to it. I love it so much. And it's just, so I will try the, I will try the cold water like that and see if try I that. can do it that way. Cause I was just convinced I just was too big of a weenie because I couldn't, <laughs> I couldn't do the showers. I just thought, gosh, I'll never be able to do this. I so. think you'll find, I mean, I'll be interested to see your experience, um, yeah. but I think you'll find it easier than doing the cold showers. Okay. That's pretty awesome. And if I could do that here at home, I do have yep. an infrared sauna and I've yeah. often thought it would be really great to be able to do the hot cold therapy. Mm -hmm. But, you know, by the time I get out of the cryo session and then like race home and try to get in the sauna, it's kind of lost its right. effect. <laughs> So. Yeah, if you do that, like you know, at night, uh -huh. try a try a you know sauna, twenty minutes, do an ice bath for five minutes, and uh, you'll probably find you'll have the best sleep of your night. Yeah, I'm gonna or, try that because because yeah. like you, I do my sauna in the morning, and I I do very similar. I do not get up at five in the morning. That is a little hardcore okay. for me, <laughs> but uh, but I do get up. Well, school set when school's in because my teenagers do get up pretty early. I'm usually up closer to. 5:45 or so, but generally speaking, I get up about 6:30. But I'll do the same. I'll do a hit session, or I'll do some kettlebell. I have like a Tabata kettlebell session that I made up, so I'll do something like that, and then I'll get in the sauna after I'm done with those for like 20 minutes, 30 minutes. Nice. And I love that. It is. I mean, that's like my very favorite mornings are when I can start them that way. And mm -hmm. uh, but yeah, switching that up and doing the nighttime thing, I think that might be something fun to try. Yeah, it's a good biohack to, yeah. to try on yourself. And I'm not a biohacker by nature, but maybe maybe you're turning me we into one. We all are. We all can be. 
you know. Yeah, that'll be fun to try. All right. Well, um, I want to be respectful of your time and let you go. I know I had a little bit of issues here with my recording on my end when, before we got uh, started. Uh, so I well. want to um, give you an opportunity to tell everybody where can they find out more information about you? Um, do you, Are you accepting clients right now? Kind of how's all that look for you right now? Yeah. Um, so probably the best way, um, I mean, I'm online social media. My personal one is John Lemansky MD, which I think you could probably write it out since it's probably hard to spell, but, um, and then, um, a lot of the things that you and I kind of talked about, I have on a site called biohack MD. And so a lot of videos, um, you know, articles and, um, courses, if people are interested, you know, to go a little bit deeper. Um, I'm personally not expecting, accepting new clients right now. Um, but you know, down the road I might, um, open okay. up again. Um, I, I tend to find that I spend a lot of time with, uh, clients. And so I really kind of limit how many I can do at a time. Sure. Um, but a lot of the information is, is available on mm-hmm. the site and, um, I'm always open to, you know, a- answer questions that I can. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm kind of limited as far as a physician. I can't answer too many personal medical questions mm-hmm. online, but, um, you know, I'm always happy to try to answer what I can. Okay. And, uh, yeah. And you probably, have, uh, do you have more yeah. than one podcast that I know of? No. You so I do just, the just keto hacking mm-hmm. MD podcast with Jimmy Moore uh-huh. and, um, currently running him through some of the biohacks that you and I described. So, yeah. Um, if anybody's interested in like real time experience, um, follow Jimmy Moore and follow, um, the keto hacking MD podcast. And we'll be talking, you know, a little bit deeper about the science behind everything that we're doing. Yeah. I love that podcast. So if anybody is not familiar with it, it's awesome because Jimmy is just your, well, I lay person. I say that loosely because he's very, he's very knowledgeable, much more so than most people out there in general, um, with especially ketogenic, but, uh, just the length of time he's been doing podcasts and, and health and nutrition stuff. He's very knowledgeable, yeah. but it's great to have him as the layperson and you as the MD on there and kind of just being able, your interaction is, is really great. And then kind of your take on things versus Jimmy's take on things is, it's just very educational and it's, it's really good. You guys give like two sides of the coin, which I love. Well, thank you. I appreciate so, that. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, thank you so much for being on the show today, uh, Dr. John. It's been just amazing, and I've learned some stuff, which is awesome. I can't wait to try. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah, keep me posted. I'll definitely you know, keep listening to your podcast, and um, it's been a pleasure. So thank you so much. Great. Thank you. We'll talk to you soon. All right. Take care. All right, guys. Well, that completes my interview with Dr. John Lemansky. Man, I learned so much talking to him, and he got me thinking about so many things. I don't think I'm going to try that ice bath tonight, though. It's already a little late, and I need to get going to bed. But, man, I am so excited and really looking forward to trying that ice bath. I am going to do it, John. I'm going to do it. So I'm looking forward to doing that. I'll let you guys know how it goes. And hopefully next week I can pull off the episode that I was trying to complete tonight, which, you know, no harm, no foul. You guys got an extra special treat of getting Dr. John Lemansky's interview a week early. So that's good for you. Must have been meant to be this way. I'm sure there is somebody out there that needed to hear this specific interview this week 
And so that is fine. So I'm okay. I'm going to roll with that. And next week, if everything goes as planned, I hopefully will do some listener questions. Um, I have a few in the queue. If you have a question that you would like me to answer uh, to address on the Keto Lifestyle Podcast, please do not hesitate to send me a message. You can send the messages to me via email. It's jessica at jessicatai.com. And I am happy to get back to you on those or address anything you have on the podcast. And if you guys want to follow me on social media, I do have Instagram. I am at that keto blonde. And on Facebook, it is facebook.com forward slash Jessica Ty Nutrition. You can follow me there as well. And hey, awesome news. I do have some spots that are opening up for some one-on-one coaching. So I'm really excited to be able to offer that back up. I do believe that I reached out to everyone that was on my waiting list. So if I missed you, if you have been waiting and you're like, wait a minute, I didn't hear anything, then I, I do apologize. If I missed you, please reach back out to me. But um, the list was pretty long and I do think that I got everybody, but it's possible that I have, um, had misplaced an email or so. And so if, uh, if that's you, please reach out. I should be able to start uh, taking on new clients here in the next uh, couple of weeks. So one to two weeks, um, hopefully. So if you want to reach out, we'll take care of that right away. And thank you, everybody who responded for the restart classes. I'm super excited. That starts on Thursday. And we are all full for this first uh, pilot online class. So we'll see how that goes. If you have interest in doing an online class, um, the restart class specifically was written by another NTP. And it is not, um, I've had some concerns that maybe it would be a very basic class. There is, I mean, it is somewhat, but, I mean, if, you are, if you're a real researcher and you really do a lot of researching on your own and, you know, if you can name all the micro and macronutrients and you know what they do in your body and those types of things, then it might be basic for you. But if, uh, if you're a little bit, you know, not sure, if you're not 100% sure what roles cortisol and insulin play, um, if you're not 100% sure what damage uh, sugar could be doing in your body or how all of that works, if you're not 100% sure the different types of fats and how they contribute to your overall health, then this would be a great class for you. Um, Restart is really all about kind of restarting your health and wellness, um, you know, kind of starting over with your diet specifically. Um, we do talk about uh, other elements of your lifestyle, and we do walk you through a three-week sugar detox, which is really awesome. A lot of people find this super helpful because you do it in a group setting and it's sometimes you really need that group interaction and you need other people pulling for you. You need the accountability. So if that sounds like something that you'd be interested in, shoot me an email and let me know and let me know what times or days would be good for you. So, you know, if you're a person that's like, Hey, I would love to do this class. I want to do it online, but I really need to do it in the evening. Um, you know, that's great. Send me an email. Let me know that. So I will put together the next online class based on the feedback I get from you guys and uh, the times and things like that. So we'll kind of see how this first one goes. And then that'll give me a little bit to go on for the next one. I also do these classes in person. So if you are local and would like to join a restart class in person, we do it for five weeks. We meet for an hour and a half, one time a week, then reach out to me and let me know. Um, I am, there are numerous different places I can do it. I can do it at my office. 
which is located in Loveland, Ohio. Um, I have done it at people's homes before. They have like a small group or a group of ladies, a book club, stuff like that that they want to do. Um, so just different different options. Um, I've done it at clubhouses and neighborhoods. I've done it at local libraries. So we can um, really reach out reach out to me. We can we can do this um, these types of classes anywhere. So right now for the restart, reach out. Let me know what you want to see, and we'll see about doing that. Okay, I think that is all I have for you guys this week. So thanks so much for tuning in, and I'm glad to be back and talking to you guys. I really did miss you last week while I was on vacation. So thanks for being patient and tuning in this week, and I look forward to talking to you guys again next week. And for all of you parents with kiddos going back to school this week and next, I wish you the very best. You know, celebrate. Have a good time. Enjoy the fact that the kids are back in school. It was. It's always wonderful when the school year comes to an end. I'm always so excited to spend time with the kids and have a little bit more relaxed time. But by the end of summer break, I'm usually like, oh my goodness, sayonara, get out the door. Don't let it hit you on your way out. <laughs> I, I'm excited to see them go. And I will be celebrating with my girlfriends at an incredible brunch on Thursday morning as we celebrate the kids heading back to school. So don't feel guilty out there, mamas and papas. It's This it is hard work we do. <laughs> so enjoy it, though. All right, guys, I'll catch you next week. See ya. Bye-bye. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Keto Lifestyle Podcast. We hope that you enjoyed what we share with you today and are looking forward